0: If you think the recent uproar over Lord Ram is unprecedented, well, yes, it is and it isn't. Let's start at the very beginning. This is not the first time that Lord Ram has become the subject or the object of political discourse. The first person to bring Ram into Indian politics was Gandhiji. Gandhiji never made any secret of his love for Lord Ram, of his respect and admiration for the God. He says in his autobiography that when he was young, his nurse told him that by saying Ram Nam, he would feel confident. And it's a habit he kept throughout his life. Further, he used to not only talk about Ram, he used to talk about Ram Raja. And for him, Ram Raja was an ideal state with equality, harmony, people living in peace. And frequently in his addresses to people, he would use the metaphor of Lord Ram. Why did he do it? He did it, I think, because he was speaking to people who were not used to political discourse after 200 years of imperialism. And he wanted to get a message across, if not to the whole of India, then certainly to the Hindu majority, speaking in a language they understand. But it's important to remember what Gandhiji's Ram was. He was a religious figure, yes, almost by definition, because he's called Lord Ram. But for Gandhiji, he was the symbol of an inclusive, diverse India. He was a symbol of an India where everyone lived together, lived in peace, where there were no distinctions between people based on religion. I mean, one example of Gandhiji's conception of Ram was that he used Raghupati Raghava, bhajan that you probably know. It's been variously it attributed to different people. But the usual view is it was written by Tulsidas. He had it sung at political functions, but he added the lines, Ishwar Allah Teronam" Naam, because he wanted it to be a bhajan that united all of India. Lord Ram may be a religious figure, but he was more than that. He was a symbol of the India that could become. It's one measure of how closely Gandhiji and Lord Ram were associated, that when he died, his last words we were told were, Hey Ram. Now, this is disputed by various people. The historian Patrick French has written in his book, Liberty or Death, that Gandhiji didn't actually say this. He didn't say anything after he was shot by a Hindu fanatic called Nathuram Godse, And so his last words were probably something boring like, it irks me to be even a minute late for my meetings. But why did we spread the story? Why did they spread the story that he said, hey, Ram? Because I think they wanted to draw a distinction between Gandhiji and his assassin. His assassin claimed to be acting in the name of Hinduism, a sort of fascist, nasty form of Hinduism. Gandhiji stood for a better form of Hinduism, the kind of Hinduism that was inclusive, a Lord Ram that loved all Indians equally. I think it's important that we remember how Gandhiji used Lord Ram, and contrary to what we now hear, the so-called secular establishment was never embarrassed about Lord Ram. The term Ram Raja was used all the time. Ragabati Raga bhajan was played all the time. In fact, the sense of Ram Rajya was one of the hallmarks of Nehruvian secularism. So that was Lord Ram as a pan-Indian, pan-religious figure respected by everybody, by people who worshipped him and even by people who didn't worship him because they respected what he stood for. So when did Lord Ram cease to be this Indian symbol and become the property of a rather nasty faction of the Hindu right? So the idea that Lord Ram should be appropriated by a sort of particularly nasty faction of the Thang Parivar, not by the Parivar by itself by any means, but essentially by members associated with the VHP. That idea dates back to the 1980s. You probably know the background, but here it is anyway. There was a patch, or there is a patch of land in Ayodhya that was in dispute between Hindus and Muslims. Hindus said, and this is the 19th century. This is where Lord Ram was born. Now, had they said this before, as far as we know, Lord Ram lived, if he did, thousands of years ago. So how come recently, 200, 300 years ago, they found the exact spot? Never really explained. But the logic behind this was that there was a masjid at the spot, a mosque owned by Muslims. And they said to the Muslims, this is ours. The Muslims said, no, this is ours. This is our mosque. We've had it for centuries. And they said, no, no, there was a Hindu temple here. Generals owing loyalty to the Emperor Babur pulled it down and built this mosque. Now, this was a local dispute, not a dispute of much consequence to the rest of India. Nobody ever heard of the Babri Masjid. But by the 1940s, locally, it had become enough of a deal for the Local administration to lock up the place and to say that neither Hindus nor Muslims will go there. And that's where the matter would have stood till the 1980s. In 1986, the chief minister with the Pradesh, a congressman called Veer Bahadur Singh, manipulated a court order that allowed the locks to be removed and the gates opened. The moment that happened, a crowd of Hindu worshippers who seemed to know this was going to happen, rushed into the spot. By then, idols of Ramallah had been installed. They said they miraculously appeared and they tried to claim it. So it was still at that stage a local, at best, a UP dispute. Then the VHP, which is an extremist arm of the Sangh Parivar, got involved and started an agitation. And seeing the potential in that agitation, LK Advani, who was trying desperately to revive the BJP, turned this VHP agitation into a BJP issue. Now, Advani was helped by various factors, one of which was that the most popular television serial of the decade had been Ramayan by Raman and Sagar. And this was like, a, in that era, a big budget spectacle with the idea of the warrior lord Ram. And so Ram was top of the mind for people, not just as a person they worshipped or the god they worshipped, but as a real life figure, somebody who came into their living rooms every weekend, who they used to see on TV. So Advani said to the people that this is our Lord Ram, his birthplace has been hijacked by Muslims, we have to get it back, we have to avenge ourselves as Hindus, we have to show that this we are respecting Lord Ram by claiming this spot. Now the dispute had originally been started by the British as part of this divide and rule policy, if not started, let's say encouraged, fanned by the British. Mr. Advani, willingly or unwillingly, consciously or unconsciously, now stepped into the role of the British. He used the dispute also to divide and rule, to divide Hindus and to divide Muslims. Just in case he hadn't stirred up passions enough, he then went on a journey. He took a Toyota van, called it a Rat, was traveling with extra actors, shall we say, dressed up as Ramanand Sagar's Ram, and did everything possible to make sure that the insult to Lord Ram and the coming vengeance of Lord Ram would be the theme of the future. It worked. It worked to the extent that six years later, Hindu pilgrims, they R- were called, would come to listen to Mr. Advani and other BJP leaders, tore down the Babri Masjid. Mr. Advani and his friends either said nothing, or in Mr. Advani's case, he wept before going home, or in many cases like Sabdi Tambra, they actually encourage them. By then, the idea of Lord Ram is propounded by Ji, of the Ramaraja person, the person who believed inclusively, was over. We now had an angry Ram. And you can see that in the iconography used by Hindutva types, an angry Hanuman, and angry Ram. The idea is that we have to avenge ourselves on Muslims. What's the avenging about? Oh, well, you know, they ruled us 400 years ago and they were back to us 400 years ago. So today's Muslims must suffer, etc., etc. So those are two very different conceptions of Ram. Gandhiji's and LK Advani's. Which Ram are we talking about today? Well, Gandhiji's Ram, yes, we saw faded away. But so oddly enough as Advani's Ram. Can you really believe now, as Advani said, that Muslims were pampered in this country, that Hindus are victims in their own country. If that's so, then Narendra Modi has failed for nine years. Clearly, Muslims are not pampered. You can argue about where they stand in the scheme of things, but nobody says they're pampered. No Muslim feels spoiled and pampered or super-privileged in today's India. And it's hard for any rational Hindu to feel that he's a victim. If we've learned something over the last few years is that Hindus are stronger and more respected and given much more respect and authority within the political system. So Advani's vengeful Ram no longer makes any sense. So there's room now for a third conception of Ram. And that is what I was looking for. I think that's what many of us were looking to, looking for when we heard the Prime Minister in Ayodhya. And if you listen to his speeches, shorn of all the praise of Lord Ram, he was striking an almost Gandhian note. He quoted Gandhi. He talked about Lord Ram being a symbol of inclusivity. He talked about him being Indian rather than merely Hindu. Bizarrely, even the head of the RSS appeared to echo this Gandhian view of Lord Ram. So if that's what we're going back to, if we're going back to the Ram Temple as a symbol of Indianness, not as a symbol of Hindu victory, then you're probably better off with this than you were with Advani's version. But is that true? I mean, just because Mr. Modi says that, is the rest of the BJP going to fall in line? Now, Mr. Modi, I've always said, wants to indicate that he's a politician, but he's much more than a politician. The image he sought to convey is that of a sage, of a Vishwaguru, of somebody who is above politics. He has that beard. He has no family. He has no possessions, apparently. He just wants to do everything for the people. So Ayodhya, in a way, sent home that message because he seemed, I mean, he, he wasn't quite Lord Ram, who was, of course, the star of the show, but he seemed almost to be that kind of sage figure in the ceremonies. And I think Mr. Modi was aware, perhaps, of the need to seem like that in the days leading up to the Ayodhya ceremony, there was a conscious attempt to reach out to other communities, sending a shawl to the Ajmer Dargah, hosting Christian groups at his home, making much of the fact that some of the people who'd come to Ayodhya were Muslims. He wanted this, or at least he wanted the imagery surrounding this to be not just Hindu, but inclusive. He quoted Lord Ram in his speeches, I said. now. That's fine. If that happens, we're near Gandhiji's conception of India. But is his party happy with this? Around the same time as Mr. Modi was reaching out to communities, the chief minister of Assam referred to Rahul Gandhi's yatra as a mia yatra. One of the most distressing aspects of recent politics has been the way in which BJP officials have taken the language of the roadside gunda, the roadside bigot, and used it in their own communications. In the immediate aftermath of the Ayodhya ceremony, there was violence in parts of India. There are varying versions of what happened in Meera Road in Mumbai. One is that Muslims were threatened by triumphant groups of Hindus and retaliated. Another is that the riots were of the nature where it's difficult to pin blame. But whatever the reason, the state government's response was to bulldoze the homes of Muslims. Throughout India, there is that pattern. Now, Mr. Modi may talk about diversity. He may reach out. But is his party going to go along with that? What kind of Ram does the BJP want? What kind of Ram does the larger Sangh Parivar want? It's an important question because Mr. Modi is going to get a term, a new term. He's going to rule India for at least another five years. And on the answer to that question, which kind of Ram is the reigning deity in India? The Ram of Gandhiji or the Ram of the sort of BJP street worker? That's the question that will determine the fate of India and will determine what kind of republic we eventually become.